And tonight I want to just talk to you about seven ways to recognize the voice of God. Seven ways to, to recognize the voice of God. It's a beautiful thing to feel, to, to know that you're, you're, you're hearing from the Lord. And the Lord is leading you. It's the, way to, it's the way to live your life. It's a lot more exciting if you go through every day realizing that God is alive. He's a living person, a being who lives in the person of the Holy Spirit in you. And He actually communicates with you all the time, regularly. I'm not just talking about the Bible. I'm talking about in addition to the Bible. He's communicating to us. Um, and we'll explain it. Let me give you a little bit of an extended example of that from, from my book. And this is, a, I'm breaking into a story here about uh, when I, I called my brother, uh, my, I'm sorry, when I called my, uh, my grandfather's brother one day. His name is Art Pierpont. He lives up in the Finger Lakes region uh, of New York. Um, and, 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 I, and he told me this story. And I'll just read it to you the way I wrote it down. And um, if you don't like this, don't tell me, because it will hurt my feelings really bad. And I don't do this very often, but I want to read to you. Is it, is it, if I read to you tonight, so, Jeremiah, is that cool with you? Yeah, all right. Jeremiah's smiling, so that's good. All right, so um, uh, my, my Uncle Art says, uh, he says, um, uh, the truth is stranger than fiction, he says once. And, um, and I said, yeah, I know. And I, I thought, well, that, that sounded like a story trigger. I said, what do you mean? Well, he said, my son-in-law lives in Alaska, you know. He said, I try to spend part of the year with them. One year I was going to drive from Beaver Dam through Newark, uh, Ohio, across the western U.S., up the Alcan Highway to Alaska. And on the trip I would take my dog along with me. I had my tires aligned and gassed up to leave Newark at 9.40 on Wednesday morning. By 11 p.m. on Sunday, I was in Whitehorse on the Yukon River. It was as if I made every light all the way across the United States and all the way up the Alcan Highway until I was about 30 miles from the Alaskan border. And then it was like I couldn't get going that day. It was raining. There was a wait for the shower. At the restaurant, I forgot to get an egg for Mickey, my poodle and travel companion. At this point in the conversation, Art choked up for a bit. But when he was able to go on, he said, I was held up. I, I should have been all the way across into Alaska, and now I know why, but then I didn't. As I, as I drove along the highway that morning, I just said to the Lord, Lord, I don't know what you have in mind for me today, but I'm here to serve you. As soon as the prayer escaped my lips, I came over a rise in the road, and there in front of me was an airplane sitting in the middle of the highway. I was about 27 miles from Beaver Creek in the Yukon Territory. I got out of the van, and I walked up to the plane. What do you think the chances are that I would know the pilot? I just said to him, well, hello, Jim. He says, Art Pierpont, what brings you out this way? <laughs> I have a feeling the Lord sent me, he said. He worked in the Christian school where my daughter Janet and her husband Dave worked. I'd met him on a previous trip. He'd flown to Akron, Ohio to pick up two young ladies to help in the Christian school in Kenai. And he had a broken propeller and he had to make an emergency landing. And they had just gotten out of the plane and they were assessing the damage and praying about what to do. And I drove over the hill. Jim said, I'm not sure what to do. Art said, Art's an engineer. He's kind of a take charge guy. Art said, let's have the ladies put their things in the van and I'll drive them to Kenai. And then we can look at that prop. It would take a long time to get a new prop, so we drove to Beaver Creek for a hacksaw and a measuring tape. <laughs> we sawed six inches off the good prop so that they would be even. 
The Border Patrol agent, who I think went by Black Knight, helped us. I think his name was Dale. That's what my uncle Art said. After our repairs, the pilot was able to get the plane off the ground, and I took the ladies on the 200 miles from Took Junction to Anchorage. And later, the pilot told me the plane flew better after I modified his propeller. (laughs) Crazy. On the way, he came across a truck. We came across a truck that had run off the road and rolled down an embankment. We were able to take the driver to Anchorage. We met an Oriental man who was having trouble with his battery. We had brought a new battery. He'd bought a new battery, but it was still having trouble. And I discovered that his battery cable needed to be tightened. And he was glad to be back on the road. So that evening, we all stopped and we enjoyed a steak dinner together, compliments of the driver of the pickup truck, a woman whose name was Mrs. Leonard, I believe. Art's remarkable tale reminded me so much of what it was like to listen to my grandpa tell his stories. I'm sure Grandpa would love to have been with his little brother on the Alcan Highway adventure. I knew it would be a story that I would tell over and over again to illustrate the adventure it is to invest your life in the service of Christ. I made a mental note to call my Uncle Art again, maybe even visit him at his home in the Finger Lakes region of New York. And when I got around to calling him again, I discovered that Art died only a few weeks after we talked. And, it was, and he was 90 years old. Now, I want to live that kind of life. I know every day there's not going to be an airplane in the road. But I want to live that kind of life. I want to be the kind of guy that's sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want to be the kind of person that pays attention to what God is doing, and I land in the right place at the right time to to do... This happened to me this week. So there's a fella, and he lives in Nova Scotia. And he's a friend of mine, and I haven't talked to him for a long time. And I had a sense in my soul, I was alone this weekend, and I had a bit of time, and I had a sense in my soul that he needed to be encouraged. And so I texted him, and, uh, and I, I didn't know how well I would be received, you know. I texted him, and he texted me back, and he goes, what, what made you get a hold of me today? I'm like, you just found my heart. He said, I can't tell you how much it means that you would get a hold of me today. I'd love to talk sometime. I said, tomorrow I'm going to be driving. I didn't end up driving, but I said, and I could talk with you. You could call me, call in at 930, and I'll talk with you. Do you mean it? He said, absolutely. So Jared Mosier calls me like 930, uh, and, and we talk. And, and literally by the end of the phone conversation, he's weeping. I'm not a good plumber. I'm not a good electrician. But I'm an encourager. That's what I do. If I'll get you on the phone, I'm going to bust myself to encourage you. By the time I was done talking with Jared, he said, you don't know how much this means to me. You don't know how encouraged I am from talking to you. And then he wrote me again today, and he thanked me again. And he put a post on Facebook, you know, what an encouragement it was. This is what I want to do. I want to be the kind of person that can hear when God speaks. When, when, when someone needs a gift, I want to be the person that gives that gift. And they, How did you know that? By the way, how many of you have seen War Room, the movie War Room? Go see that movie. That's awesome. If you don't believe in going to movie houses, I respect that. Wait till it comes out. If, if it's okay, go see that movie. It'll make you want to pray. Weeks before it came out, God put it on my heart to talk about prayer. I, have, I don't think I've ever preached a message so well received in this church. It's like I preached it, and it was really basically a confession of sin. And everybody else says, you know, I agree with you, Pastor. I need to pray more, too. God, God, and then there's this movie. That'll really be a, a great encouragement to you. When I want to pray like that old lady on the movie. Anyway, I won't say anything more because it'll spoil the plot. That's the kind of person I want to be. I want to kind of be the kind of person that listens to the voice of the Lord and hears the Lord and, ha- and, and, and says the right thing at the right time and gives the right gift at the right time and does the right thing at the right time because I heard from the Lord. He's, he he does that. He gives promptings and nudgings, and he, he does that. Don't let anybody tell you he doesn't do that. And, and, and we want to talk about that. The, you, if you have a desire, one of the first things that 
um, Eli taught Samuel was to say to God, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. We need to learn that. Say, speak, Lord. You got something to tell me? I, I, I'm, all, I'm all ears, God. I'm mentoring young men, and, and a fellow called me, that, 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 and he, he called me recently, and he said, his name is Nathan and Richie, and Nathan said, uh, Pastor Pierpont, he said, I, I just got called to be a, a full-time uh, preaching pastor at a little church in Arkansas. And this guy's a precious guy. He's a great kid. And he said, I just wonder if you could give me an hour of your time to pick your brain about the ministry. I'm like, man, I'd love to do that. It was so fun, you know. So he just asked one question after another. And, he, and I told him, you know, everything I could think of to help him in ministry. And he says, well, I'm not saying much because I'm writing this down as fast as I can. And I'd love to talk again. I said, anytime. You know, when a young man is like that, he's eager to hear and eager to learn. You just know he has bright prospects for the future. Other times, you know, I'll, I'll give a hint to a young pastor, and he'll like, yeah, whatever, I knew that. And you're like, all right. You know, it's like, okay. You know, that's all right. And, you know, and um, I want to be the person that goes, tell me more. I want to be the person that, that says to God, I, I'm listening. Jeremiah 29, you know this in verse 11, says, you shall seek me and find me. You search for me with all your heart. In Hebrews 5:11, at one point, the writer of Hebrews says, I have many more things to say and they're hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. I would never want the Lord to say that to me. Well, I'd tell you more, but, you know, you're not listening. You ever talk to somebody and they're distracted? Yeah, they're like, and you go, they're not listening. You know, and you, you feel like, I'm casting my pearls to forest wine. You know, that's not good. God, help me not to do that. Matthew 13, 15 says, The hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes, they've closed. Unless they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. So we want to learn to listen. You realize that God wants to communicate with you. One of his names is Word, right? One of his very names is Word. He's eager to communicate. You don't ever have to convince God to communicate ever. If you don't get a new or a special word or a sense that the Lord is directing, you just go back and do the last thing He told you. Just obey what He told you last. Go open the Word and just obey anything in there. Right? He's always speaking. Always speaking. And the best thing is the Word. So, here are seven ways to hear the voice. Number one, read the Bible (laughs) for personal application. Read the Bible, not just generally, but read the Bible hungrily for a personal application to your life. Like, read the Bible until it warms your heart. Read the Bible for direction today. Read the Bible for encouragement today. Read the Bible for wisdom today. Read the Bible for a word from the Lord. It's His word. Um, Psalm 19, you, you know Psalm 19, but listen to the amazing way the Scriptures talk about the scriptures in Psalm 19. You know this, but most of you could probably, many of you could probably almost quote this. And I think I could on a good day. Um, But starting in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Listen to what the Bible will do. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You ever discouraged? Well, the statutes of the Lord rejoice the heart, Right? You ever ignorant? You need your eyes enlightened. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And they're more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. This is a power. And you keep reading through verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
my strength and my redeemer. These are powerful promises from the Bible about the Bible. Don't take this lightly. Get your Bibles open all the time and say to God, speak to me through your word. It's not just an inspiring book. It's an inspired book. And so look at it like that. Don't, don't say, well, I got to do my duty. Don't do that. Let your hands tremble. You know, the God honors those who tremble before his word. It says in Isaiah, he's looking for men who tremble as word. By the way, that's who I want as president of the United States. Somebody who trembles at his word. Every once in a while, you hear some of these guys. There are people running for president. I don't want to get into too much of this, but there are people that run for president who know and love God. And when you hear them talk, you're like, whoo, that brother knows God. Wow. He's not going to get elected, but wow, isn't that fun to listen to him? Whoo, he knows the Lord. That's amazing. Like, sometimes I just want to burn my vote on somebody like that. And so uh, there's my political commentary for the year. Um, read the Bible for personal application. Read the Bible for personal application. He's continually speaking in, in nature and the word and in our spirits and in the, in the Bible. Second, listen to your heart for the Lord to remind you of his word. John 10, take your Bibles and look in John 10. If the, what, is, what did Jesus mean when he said to his disciples, my sheep hear my voice? They know it and they, they follow me. Here's what, here's what it says in John 10 uh, and verse uh, 3. Uh, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. We have this little pesky dog named Hazard. I didn't ask for this dog. I just inherited this dog. Um, when, if you came over to my house, he would just cause a ruckus, barking and carrying on. He would. If, he, if you came to our door and you stood outside our door, he would just be carrying on like crazy, barking and whatever. But when I come home, he just waits real quietly inside because he adores me. He adores me. I feed him and I walk him when I can walk. And, um, and, and I open the door. I noticed today I came home and I opened the door and he was just like so excited to see me. He's a great judge of character and he was so excited to see me. But he wasn't barking at me. It's like he knew, I, he knew I, it was me. And there's a spiritual intuition that, you know, my sheep hear my voice. When I speak, the ones who are my sheep are the ones they recognize their shepherd. What does that mean? That's mysterious and wonderful. That's something more than just, well, it's wonderful. I read the Bible. I do it. It says, okay, but there's, there's a communication in our hearts from the Lord that's not just kind of cold and, and distant and general. It's specific and it's in, in the heart of, of, of a man and of, of a woman. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Yeah. They will not heed the voice of a stranger. That's when you should sing um, Green Pastures sometime. You ever heard that? You listen to Emmylou Harris sing, Going Up Home to Live in Green Pastures. And she quotes this here, they will, I will not hear the voice of a stranger. I'm not listening to him. I listen to my shepherd. That's, a, that's what it means to be Christian. You have ears to hear the shepherd. He comforts you. He warns you. He says no. He says yes. He encourages you. He, he gives you direction. My sheep do hear my voice. In John 14, it says the, the Holy Spirit will be your teacher, and he will bring to your mind all that I've said to you. He'll remind you. So you can expect, if, if Jesus told the truth, and he did, 
Then he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was going to do what? Remind you of Bible verses. So get a lot of Bible verses in you so the Holy Spirit can remind you of those Bible verses, and God will guide you like that. He will speak to you like that. Yes, he will. That, wouldn't that be a lot more exciting than a boring way that you live in all the time? Usually, you know, like you're, you're making your own decisions or whatever your wife tells you to do. You know, why don't you just hear from the Lord? You know? and, and, and by the way, listen, your wife might be part of that. Number three, pay attention to nature, history, circumstances, the providence of God. God will often arrange circumstances to confirm which scripturally sound direction you should take. The Bible says a lot of good things that you, should do, that you could do. How do you know which ones? Well, he'll put circumstances in your way. I'm at the hospital in Wyandotte, and I'm on the way to the hospital in Wyandotte, and I'm praying, Lord, use me today, and praying for the person that's in the hospital, and praying that God will use me, and praying that I will be a sensitive, you know, and I, and I, and I go and I see a guy sitting there, and, um, and, and I don't, you know, I don't really, I kind of look at him, and I think, well, I should probably talk to him. When I come back out, I go to start my car, and it won't start. And so I have to make a phone call and I go back over and I sit down next to the guy again. I had a great talk with this guy. And he ended up having a brother who had a need who lived in the town where my brother lives and his wife was having a baby. And he's like, the Lord directed my steps to talk with that guy. I know that I know that. And I just went away going, ooh, that was fun. I was like, God, you know... Um, you know, Beth, you remember when I was, I was over in, I don't say too much, but I was over in Ann Arbor, bumped into your brother over there one day. It was the craziest thing. I'm in Ann Arbor. And I'm like, I'm, it, it was the Lord. I know the Lord did that. I know the Lord did that. So I'm like, here's this guy, Brian. I'm like, what? And I, didn't, I was like, where? hey, he goes, you're the pastor at Evangel. I'm like, do I know? Have you met, I met you. He goes, yeah, you're the pastor at Evangel. And, and, and we got to, we got connected and became friends. And I walked away from that meeting going, hey, the Lord did that. What are the chances of I'm going to Ann Arbor and I happen to bump into this guy? He wanted me to talk to that guy. So I'm just like, okay, Lord, I'm going to talk to that guy. I'm going to, I made a, a point to have some ministry and some friendship and some fellowship with him. And he's my friend today. Um, and uh, isn't that great? It's just kind of a neat thing. It's like, what if you could live in such a way that you went and did just what somebody else was praying you would do? That you would just say what somebody else needed. That you would give just the right gift that somebody else needed. Wouldn't that be a fun way to live? Do you believe that God works like that? Well, of course he does. So let's not forget that. And, and, and so pay attention to this. And sometimes circumstances will be like, well, wait a minute, what's this? Sometimes they really won't be good circumstances. I, I, we rented a house. And it was a wonderful, we leased the house out in the country years ago, and it was so beautiful. And we, we had the kids there, and it was uh, like 110 acres, and it was in, in this valley, and it was a dead-end road, and it was just the most beautiful place to raise a big family. And we had a five-year lease, $400 a month, free heat. It's a great deal. It was a wonderful place to live. It was the Lord provided it, you know. But the owner tragically died, and the widow asked us if she could be released from her promise and, of course, we released her, and we didn't have any place to live. Here we are with a big family and no place to live. I have no resources. I'm starting a church. I have no savings. I have no down payment. I don't know what we're going to do. A friend of mine says, well, I know somebody that, I know some, uh, I know somebody that will rent you his house that's for sale, but if you rent it and it sells, you have to leave. So we rented his house, and it sold. About the time Wesley was born, it sold. And I called the owner, and I said, could I appeal for more time? And he goes, well... If you don't have any place else to go, yes. But if you have any place else to go, I want you to leave like you promised. And that day, some Amish friends called and thank, you know, I think, oh, thank, thank you. They said, hey, we got, a, we found a place you could live. It's kind of a, 
it's kind of a deer cabin, but you can live there. I'm like, oh, I wish you hadn't told me that because I can't tell the <laughs> landlord. So we move our family out to this little house in Wohanding. It's a gorgeous place, but it's like the floor is broken and it's like I got a cistern. And, the, and here I'm feeling like such a loser. I got my family out there. My mother-in-law came along and said, maybe I, maybe I don't plan well enough. And my dad thought maybe the same thing. And he said, maybe I shouldn't, uh, I should maybe stay there. And I said, well, dad, you know, I got up that morning. Well, Hannah, do you remember all this? <laughs> got up in the morning and it's the 15th of the month. And it says, he who swears to his own hurt and changeth not. And I called the landlord and I said, I promise I'll do what I said. And I moved out to that. We moved out to that shack, didn't we? Everybody was sick. We're sitting out there at Christmas and we're sitting in this little place. And it's Christmas time. I said to the kids, you know, um, why don't you, they want to go to the Christmas tree. Kyle goes outside and he cuts the top out of a, of a tree and he comes dragging it back in and it won't stand up and falls over. And we're all just like, everybody is sick. During that time, I got up on Sunday morning to go to the church. And I didn't want anybody to know the trouble I was going through because I didn't feel like I had really ordered my life properly. And my tire was flat. I was so discouraged. It was snowing and the tire was flat. And I changed the tire and I went to church. And I tried to keep a happy countenance about things. And that, that day I said to the family, I said, why don't we go up and visit Melanie and Jim? My, my sister and brother-in-law, were always, they're always there for you when you need them. So we got in the car with little Wesley, was a little baby, and we drove up to Coldwater, and we spent some time with them. And that night was, was Christmas, uh, was, the, was New Year's Eve. Jim says to me, why don't you preach tonight? And I love preaching, but I said, you know, Jim, I, got, I feel like I got kicked in the gut. I've just been through this hard stuff, and I don't know if I have anything to say, you know, tonight. And he goes, well, why don't you just share with the people your goals for the new year? And I always had those in my Bible, you know. So I got up that night, and the kids sang. And um, then I shared my goals for the new year. And a lady came up to me, and her name was Dolores Frank. Frankie. Really somewhat sweet Christian lady. And she says to me, I know of a church in Fremont that needs a pastor. And I was just listening to you speak, and I just think you'd be the right pastor for that church. Would you be willing to be considered to pastor that church? And it, uh, Dan Gillette had told me many times, don't go seeking, just wait and say, I'm on the wall. And I told him, I'm on the wall, I have a church. That's, I think that was a good word he gave me. And I, and I said, no, I'm, I have a church, but thank you for asking. I am a free agent, but, but, I, but I am. I said, if you ever want to send a pulpit committee, you could, but I'm going to stay at, at my church. And they never sent the pulpit committee, and I kind of looked for the pulpit committee a little bit, but they never sent the pulpit committee. And uh, it didn't ever happen, you know. And two years later, there was another lady that was there that same night. This is, just sounds like a fantastic story, doesn't it? She came up to me that very same night, and she said, There's the church that I go to in Greenville, it's says Faith Baptist in Greenville, needs a pastor, and I think you'd be a wonderful pastor for that church. Would you consider? I'm like, well, told her the same thing. And she goes, well, I'll go back and I'll tell them. Well, she wasn't on the pulpit committee. She didn't have an official thing. She didn't get anywhere. They didn't call me. But a couple of years later, they asked me if I'd come and, and just preach at the church, and she'd let us use her cabin. And we, I'm like, well, that's neat. So we brought the family up. We lived, stayed in the cabin, and we preached in the church. And the people from Fremont heard I was there. They came over and they heard me preach. The guy said, would you come over and would you meet with us? And I drove my car that day over to Fremont. And I met with these precious men, good men, good men. And they interviewed me, and I thought, God is doing this. God is going to bring me to this church. He's going to take me to this church. I went, and, and God called me that wonderful church when I got to serve, and they were so good to us. We had such a ministry there. 
But it would never have happened if we weren't out in the green deer cabin shack. God used that to send us to Michigan. Isn't it interesting? And, I, and, we, were, and, I, and we, we were getting ready to go to Fremont. And I'm telling you more than I probably ought to, but you know, when we were getting ready to go to Fremont, you know, we, we'd been working uh, a bunch of jobs, plus you know, we'd started a church for their 10 years, and we'd work a bunch of jobs to make things work, plus the church tried to help as much as they could. And, 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 and you know, I had a certain amount, of, with all the work together, I had put, put together a certain amount of money that I could live on, that I knew I could live on. When I went to Fremont, they told me that's what they paid. I'm like, great. But then I found out later, they also had a beautiful parsonage on top of that, which made me really happy because that was like, oh, my word. And they did. They had a beautiful parsonage, five-bedroom parsonage, in a place they called Hollander Heights. Can you imagine? That's nice, right? So it was like the nice part of town. There's this beautiful parsonage um, among the nice Dutch people and, and, and five, uh, five bedrooms. And, and, and I was just like, well, how about that? How did they know? And when I told them I had a large family, they go, that's no big, big deal. Pastor Paulson had 11 kids. Your family is not even big yet. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And when Pastor Mead pastored there, they built this five-bedroom parsonage, and it was just him and his, he and his wife. And I was driving my car that day thinking, God, years ago knew that I would have all these kids, and I wouldn't have any place for them, and I couldn't afford a house, and he was going to call me to that church, and he's going to let me live in that big house. I bet there's a fireplace in that house. <laughs> so I said to the family on the way up, I go, kidding around, I go, if there's a fireplace in the parsonage, we're going there. That was a joke, you know, it was just a joke. And the deacons took us over to the parsonage after church, and we walked in, and the kids were like, hey, Dad. I go, what? They go, do you remember that? Hey, Dad, look. <laughs> There's a fireplace over there. Yeah. So you want to pay attention to the circumstances in your life. God guides in the most beautiful ways, orchestrating circumstances, like for the man you're going to marry someday, the woman that you're going to marry someday. You want to make that decision or you want God to help you make that decision? I would say God would have a drop on you, right? I mean, since he knows the future, and you trust him. Isn't that powerful? So pay attention to nature and circumstances. And four, not all of my points will be this long. Four, be sensitive to your spirit for spiritual intuition. The scriptures talk about this. Things are spiritually discerned, right? You know, eye has not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has entered the heart of man. Things that God's prepared for those who trust Him, but, but they, who love Him, but they are spiritually discerned. So there is this spiritual discernment. In First John four, it says, "Test the Spirit to see of the Lord." There is a, such a thing as spiritual discernment. So you can tell this is from the Lord. Ah, that's not from the Lord. It doesn't correspond with the Scriptures and so forth. And so be sensitive to this spiritual intuition, if you will. Remember when the, the, the Jerusalem Council met and the men said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And what is that? That was a spiritual intuition. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Uh, one time I wanted a MacBook Air. I had the money for it and I had talked with Lois and I, she'd kind of agreed and, and I wanted a MacBook Air. I needed one because my MacBook uh, was fat and these were skinny. You need a skinny one, you know. So I had the money put together, and I was pretty excited about that. And I go over to Ann Arbor, and I'm in the mall, and I walk over, and I pick up the MacBook Air. And I got the money in my pocket. I got permission from my CFO. Um, and, and I'm standing there holding this, and I heard this little voice that went, put it down. And it was just so clear that I laughed. I went, <laughs> I just set it down. I go, I totally don't want that anymore. It was just, it was almost like on the way home, the Lord said, 
seriously, Ken, you have a MacBook Pro, which is this thick, and you want a MacBook Air, which is this thick, and there's people starving in the world. And I just laughed. I go, you're right. You know, you're right. I did. And I totally didn't even want that. I think he spoke to me. I know he did. I was sitting in a meeting one time, and a guy, it was Cam Wolford. So if you remember, um, Dave Grafe and Cam Wolford worked together in Costa Rica. But before that, Cam Wolford was in Ecuador, and we supported him at Fremont. And he came, and he was, he was just sitting in church, and I was in the front row. And one of my prized possessions was this, um, Hannah, you would remember this too, this black uh, uh, shortwave radio that I really, really liked. Um, and I, I'd gotten a good deal on it, and it was a really pretty high-end radio. I got a good deal. It was kind of fun, you know, shortwave radio. And, um, and, but it was underused. And, and, and Cam says, you know, in the mountains of Ecuador, the way that pastors get theological training is through shortwave radio. It's like the Holy Spirit goes, give them yours. And I'm like, no, not mine. I love my shortwave radio. But it was so such a powerful sense of, like, you give them your shortwave radio. It was like, I, I mean, I literally laughed. I, mean, I didn't want it anymore. It was like, okay, I just gave it to him. And I've never been satisfied that he would made a big deal about that enough. But I gave away my, but that just shows my flesh, right? But he was like, thanks. I'm like, I gave you my baby here, you know. Anyway, and so we'll talk to Cam about that. But anyway, isn't that great? So I just imagine somewhere in the mountains of Ecuador, there's this pastor, and he's listening to J. Vernon McGee or something. And he's teaching his people with that radio. Isn't that an exciting way to live? I think that's an exciting way to live. Uh, and, but you got to listen to the voice of, of the Lord. Um, uh, I, I had a, an incident one time in the church where somebody did something, and, I, and it's, I was sitting on the front row, and I felt the Lord telling me, don't ever let that happen again. You're the pastor. <laughs> I, and it's almost like, no matter what it costs you, don't ever let that happen again. And it was like, oh, it was like, yes, sir. It was just totally clear in my soul that God wanted me to take charge of that. You know, and just not let that happen again. And I did that. And it was costly. <laughs> but it's okay. Because I'm, I'd rather have somebody not understand me than God say, you didn't do what I said. Right? Um, and so, so this, is, uh, this is the way that the Lord works. About a month ago, I was facing a great challenge, a great burden, one of the greatest and most significant challenges in my life. And I was praying and praying and praying in the night. And I was thinking... Um, about even, even I cry out to the Lord. I thought to myself, I'm asking God for something I don't deserve. <laughs> and I could almost say, he could say to me, you know you don't deserve that. And, and yet, this is the passage that kept coming to my mind. It's the beautiful passage in Psalm 103. It just kept coming to my mind in the most powerful way. And this is, I'd be very sensitive to this, is when the Lord keeps bringing a scripture to your mind. Just like, be quiet and listen, you know. And this is the, the passage, this beautiful passage in Psalm 103. The whole thing is really beautiful, but it's verse 13 and, and 14 that came to my mind, even though it's almost like I would pray and I would think, well, I don't deserve the answer to this prayer. I, you know, and yet, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. He remembers our frame, and he knows that we are dust. I'm like, if my child made a mistake and then they needed something, I wouldn't say to them, too bad, you made a mistake. That bird has flown. That train has passed. It's too bad. As a father, father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. He remembers our frame. He knows that we're dust. And I was laying there in the bed at night alone, and I was talking to the Lord. I was literally just crying out to the Lord. And God came through in a miraculous and powerful way and answered that like, oh my word, in a powerful way. Only he does stuff like that. 
So how do you hear the voice of the Lord? You, you read your Bible for personal application. You listen to your heart for Him to remind you of the Bible. You pay attention to circumstances for, to know which of the biblically sound options you should take. You're sensitive to the Spirit in your spirit. Um, and then you're, you need to be, number five, quiet your soul. I think this is important. He, he will often speak in loud times, but He often does speak to you when you have quieted your soul. You're not arguing with him in your soul, but you're just listening and you're, you're humble and you're, you're like, you speak and I'll listen. Um, it's be, remember he said he leads us beside still waters and that's where he restores our soul. Be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46 says. So be still and know that I'm God. Elijah, God spoke to Elijah in this still, small voice. And I think this means that we need to keep the lines of communication open. One of the fellow I was talking to and, and he, was, he said, I said, how are you doing spiritually? And he said, I've been distracted. I go, that's deadly. That's really bad. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things come in, chokes out the word, it becomes unfruitful. You're in danger. And so I said, I said, you know, what's going on? He goes, I've got three little kids and my wife and I'm trying to pay the bills and I have to work two jobs and I don't have a lot of time. And I, don't. And I said, you know, let God speak to you while you're on your commute in the morning and be quiet on your commute in the morning and listen to God. He's all around you all the time, always speaking. It's not just in a little window where you read your Bible, which you should do. God is a, God's always speaking like he'll tell you how many football games you should watch. And I, I, I had, the other day I was tempted to watch a TV program, which wouldn't have been a bad TV program at all. And I just knew that the Lord was telling me, no, I want you to spend this time with me. And leave the TV off. And, and, I, and I did. And that was, that was good. Um, and so, and then, uh, and then I, write this down, and we won't talk about it because of time, but write down Isaiah 31, and, and, and notice that Israel in Isaiah 31 is not listening to God. And God is complaining against Israel, saying, you're not listening to me. And I have every right to stop talking to you. It's kind of, um, this is the vernacular. Hey, you're not listening to me. I sent my prophets, and, I, and I'm speaking, and you're not listening to me. And I have every right to stop talking to you. <laughs> but he goes, but I won't stop talking to you. As a matter of fact, you're going to be walking along, and then you'll hear somebody whisper behind you, this is the way, walk in it. It's very beautiful. And then later on it says, your hearts will sing when I speak to you. That's the way it's been with me. You know, if you, if you, if you stay quiet you're in your soul and you say, Lord, speak to me and bring to my remembrance the things you need, that I need to remember, then it'll almost be like, in some cases, he'll, he'll, he'll have quietly speak to you. And then you'll be happy. There'll be a happiness to you. Like, oh, wow. I'm in a living relationship with God where he actually communicates with me. Number six is, God often speaks through loved ones, teachers, pastors, family members, even donkeys sometimes. And God has used people that are weird in my life. You know, they say, a lot of times you just want, somebody's weird, you want to go, you're weird, you know. And, and, and yet you kind of, just stop, you know, like, <coughs> had a guy do that one time and he was a bit odd. <coughs> Excuse me, he was just an eccentric guy. Uh, I liked him, but he was, you know, he's just like a lot of us. He just had a weird, you know, he's kind of had a weird streak and, and yet God used him to tell me something. I had another guy one time come up to me and he told me something so bizarre, you know. It was a warning. And I, and I thought to myself, yeah, knucklehead, you know. After he said that and he walked away, I thought, he's kind of a fruitcake, you know. And it's like, but I thought, well, but you know what he said was kind of consistent with the Scripture. You know, he, he, just, he just warned me about a couple things. I thought, well, I'll take a warning from anybody I get a warning from. 
had a dream one night, and it was like when I woke up, I was like in a cold sweat. I was so glad I didn't do what I dreamed I did in the, in the dream. And I thought, that's the Lord, and He's warning me not to ever get involved in that. And I know that He was doing that. And, and, and this is a good way to live. So God will sometimes speak through a, a, a person, or a relative, a wife for sure, a husband, a child, a neighbor. Listen to people that got, especially people that have spiritual gifts, teachers and so forth. And, and that is, you know, people that flourish spiritually, they get truth from wherever they can get it. And so if there are teachers, I, I watch people in churches, you know, I'm just me, right? And, but I watch people in churches and if they take their family and they bring them to church and they go, here's the, the pastor speaking, kids, I want you to listen to him. God helps families like that. And it's not about me, it's just any pastor. It would be true with any pastor. It's just, it's because of them saying, you know, we listen to the pastor when he preaches. We, we take that seriously. You know, my dad, he's very insightful guy, but he never made fun of anybody. Even if sometimes we'd be in a meeting, a guy would speak, and I think, that guy is so weird, you know, and ah, that was crazy. And on the way home, you'd, be, you'd think maybe dad would go, <laughs> what was that all about? You know, dad would not do that. Never. He would never do that. He would say something like, maybe the guy was just horrible, boring, and, you know, you couldn't stay awake, and it was just horrible. And, 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 and on the way home, you know, the car would be really, really quiet. Nobody would be saying anything. And Dad would say something like, well, now, that brother was definitely a very sincere man, wasn't he? And we'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and all of us love the Lord, and all of us are serving the Lord. And tonight, you know, by the grace of God and by his kind sustenance. And number seven, this is so true. Learn to recognize God's voice by looking back on when you had an impression and you might have missed it. <laughs> Learn to recognize God's voice by looking back. Now, you know, what's the biblical justification for this? Well, just, I would say, like, there's a phrase that, that occurs often in the Bible called the ways of God. And we're expected to know the ways of God. God's people should know how God works. It's, it's almost like with your wife. I could order for Lois at a restaurant, right down to the ranch dressing on her salad. Her Whopper never has onions. If I order a Whopper with onions, it's like, what are you thinking? I mean, she wouldn't say that, right? But I mean, it's like, she doesn't eat onions on her Whopper. I know her that well. Um, right? I, I, I know her sense of humor. I can imagine her. Like what she's going to say back in a kind of funny way to me when I say it. Because I know the woman really well. God wants us to know him and know his ways and know what pleases him and know what displeases him. And, and that's what, like, there are many, 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 many examples in Psalm 103, since we're there, in verse 7 says, He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. He wants the, the nation of Israel, wants his people to know his ways. How does God work? How does God speak? How does God think? What is God like? What does God dislike? It's repeated in many passages. Psalm 27, 11. Psalm 25, verses 4 and 9. Psalm 95, verse 10. And dozens of other passages say this about the ways of God. What I'm trying to say is, I think you said you walk with the Lord and you have experience with God. And you have your own personal experience with God. And then you kind of know, you recognize that voice. Oh, that's the put the laptop down voice. That's that, that, that voice is look away right now voice. That voice is like, you don't need that flattery right now. You refuse that flattery right now. That voice is don't call that guy and tell him what you think right now. <laughs> don't you dare call him and tell him what you think right now. 
<laughs> you, just, you just keep it, your, you know, right. Uh, and, and this is uh, not a license to be a fruitcake. You know, go ahead from the Lord, you know, and you're like, don't do that. I didn't say anything like that tonight. I, I, so when I go to camp, almost whenever, I, almost whenever I will speak first night at maybe a camp, and, you know, maybe it's up in one of these beautiful places up north, and kids have come from suburbia like where we live, and they've made their way out of the industrial city, and then they've made their way up through. Uh, and Michigan's so beautifully laid out by God, isn't it? Because it's a peninsula, and you go north, and it's, it's, you know, it's unique like that. As you go up north, you, know, you, you, get, you get out of the city, and then you go through farmland. And then when you're beyond the farmland, you go through pines, birches, and lakes, and streams. And then you're way up north, and there's a whole different... That's a wonderful thing. Well, the kids from suburbia are bussed up there to Camp Barakel or over to Lake Ann or wherever. And then they're sitting there the first night, and the air's coming through the windows, and they can smell the fresh air off the lake or the, how the air blows through the pines. And there's just something about that, you know. And, and I'll say to the kids something like this. I'll say, we're in a really unique place tonight. For years, people have met at a place like this. They've met with God because people have dedicated themselves to this place. And if you will listen, God will speak to you. How many of you would like God to speak to you this week? Why don't you on the way back to the cabin, while you're looking up at the stars and the moon, why don't you say to God, God, if you have anything to tell me, I want to hear it. Speak to me. Well, you guys know that God is omniscient, is omnipresent, right? He's, he's going to be in your car on the way home tonight. And in the very same way, you can say, God, you got something to tell me? <laughs> I'm all ears. I'm so eager to hear it. Isn't that good? Isn't that, it's exciting, isn't it? Uh, you have a song for us to, to close? Let's, let's sing a song in closing.